0: Pray with me. Lord Jesus, I just pray, Lord, that you would be here with us today, Lord. Send your spirit to give us understanding, Lord. We don't want just more knowledge and to to know more things, but we want to love you more. We want to know more about who you are so that we can grow and we can glorify you. Lord, I pray that we wouldn't just try to deal with the outward, Lord in our, on our lives, Lord, and, and clean us our, ourselves up outwardly, but we would seek to have you change us from within because it's from within th- that d- it's what defiles us, it's what comes out of us. Uh, we have a heart problem, Lord, so deal with that. Teach us, in Jesus' name we pray, amen. You can have a seat. So. So what we saw last week was Jesus' encounter with the Pharisees, which we're going to continue to see more, more and more growing opposition that Jesus has. And Jesus confronts them, there's this confrontation there, because uh, the the Pharisees are only focused on outward, right? There's this confrontation there, there, uh, and, and Jesus is trying to help them understand that what defiles you is not what you eat, what you put in your, in your body, but the problem is in the heart, right? So they tend to focus on the outside, and they think, if I, if I can control the outside and clean myself on the outside, then I'll be holy before God, right? So they, so they avoid certain foods. They do all these rituals and ceremonies. They stay away from unclean people, unclean places, unclean things. Really, it really causes them this, this great separation and and also uh one of these uh, what it causes them is it causes them to to hate other people hate people who they view as unclean people who are sick they they view them as hey, they're they're accursed by god or and and they hate even gentiles it it brings uh it causes them to be very racist towards gentiles and you see all through the bible this hostility they have towards the gentiles because they they see them as their unclean people they're they're an- actually enemies of God and and uh, and I think Jesus in, in this scripture today is dealing with that false belief that there's unclean people in unclean places because we see Jesus going into uh, the strange response to this, this this conflict is Jesus goes into unclean places with unclean people. He takes this 120 mile journey to be with uh, people that are not like him, right Jesus was a Jew himself and And as I was reflecting on this, I, I thought how about God's sovereignty, how God is so sovereign sometimes to bring us texts that are so timely, right? Because this past week we and, and I think regularly we we continue to see racism in our country, right? One, one thing after another, right? People, unarmed people being uh, being killed, right? I'm not here to argue about every specific thing and who is right and wrong, but we, it's very clear that racism is still alive in our country, right? And, and it's, and it's, and it's you know, causing a lot of conflict, causing a lot of pain. I mean, we saw Donald Trump this past week. I don't know if you saw it. He's, re- he annou- he's announcing his candidacy for president, and he said that all uh, illegal immigrants are are uh, drug dealers and criminals and rapists, right? And no one says anything about it. I know if I was a, a Republican, I'd be the first one saying, hey, I'm not aligning with Donald Trump. No one says anything about this, Right? You see, uh, and then the thing that bothered me, and it, it, the worst was this: the shooting in South Carolina. Right? That, that that was. I mean, I could have probably just went on, and and the Donald Trump thing. That's kind of a thing that happens all the time. But we see it now: the racism coming into to God's church. Right? Nine people being killed. This kid uh, was there to kill blacks. I mean, that's what one witness reported. Right. He was he was there because blacks are raping all their women is what he he says. right? And, and I don't know if you've read this, but but he confessed to the murders and he said he, he wanted to start a race war. Right. And so racism is alive and well. And we have to talk about it and we have to deal with this. And I think this text really deals with this. And so this past week, I've gone through a lot of emotions of anger wanting justice, uh, you know, thoughts, should we have guns in the church, those those kind of thoughts come into my mind, uh, to despair, and God, how long, you know, Lord, bring your kingdom now, please, you know, I, I get those longs of despair, God, are you in control, where are you in this, and, and, and it has, it causes me to have to, to pray, and Renew my mind and cling to Christ, and uh, and I think we're going to see a a, a lot of hope in Christ today. But before we go, I I, I want us to I want us to pray before we continue on because we're going to see a hope that we have in Christ today. But let's pray for the especially the people in South Carolina. You know, there's a lot of there's funerals going on. There's a lot of mourning. I don't know if you saw the the powerful video of, of the people saying we forgive you to the to the. Uh, I pray for forgiveness. So even pray for the this guy who the perpetrator. I pray for for he would receive God's grace. But let's pray for it. Let's uh, if you don't feel comfortable praying, you know I don't want to force you to pray. But let's turn to our neighbor and 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 pray for God's kingdom. Pray for the hope we have. Pray for God's grace to work in the middle of all this. And then I'll close this, and and we'll get started in the text. All right, so uh, go ahead and do it. We're gonna we're gonna pray, Lord Jesus. We just pray today, Lord. We come to you, Lord, and and uh, I, I just gotta admit, I, I've been burdened, been thinking much about. This shooting. I hate sin. I hate racism. I hate the brokenness of this world, Lord. And and we all I I I, I, pray, I think that should be a common response. And I pray, Lord, that we would this would create a longing for you in our hearts. Lord, I, I pray that we would trust you in the midst of this, Lord, that you do all things well, that you are sovereign that you are in control, and help us, Lord, as we look at your radical grace today for all peoples. Help us find hope in you, Lord. You're our hope. You're all we have to cling to, Lord. And and we know that somehow in the midst of this broken, fallen world, Lord, that you are alive and you're moving for your glory, for your kingdom, and uh, for the good of your people, Lord. Show us that today, Lord. Help us be a, a people, a loving people, open to people different than us, Lord. And uh, even tear down those, those stereotypes and, and racism in our own hearts, Lord. Help us not respond to sin in a sinful way, Lord. But, but really pray for this uh, young man who committed this horrible crime. Lord, we do pray for him, and, and pray for him to receive your grace, to have a transformed heart, Lord, that you would even show your radical grace to him. I pray for your grace to, to comfort everyone who is mourning and grieving. Uh, just pray uh, for your hope and your peace, Lord, in the midst of this situation. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Hey, so I'd encourage you to leave your Bibles open. We're going to be in Mark 7. But uh, I don't think it's a mistake that these stories of Jesus going to be with the Gentiles uh, is a mistake. right? I think it's part of God's plan to show that, that there are no unclean people. There are no unclean places. And to show us that uh, we have hope in Christ who does everything well. Right, that's what we're going to see. So let's look at these stories. The first one is uh, Mark 7, 24. This uh, Syrophoenician woman's faith. Follow along with me. And, there, and from there he arose and went away to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And he entered a house and did want, not want anyone to know, yet he could not be hidden. But immediately a woman whose little daughter had an unclean spirit heard of him and, and came and fell down at his feet. Now the woman was a Gentile a Syrophoenician by birth, and she begged him to cast the demon out of her daughter. And he said to her, let the children be fed first, for it is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. But she answered him, yes, Lord, even, yet even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. And he said to her, for this statement, you may go your way. The demon has left your daughter. And she went home and found the child lying in bed, and the demon gone. So right here we see Jesus entering this Gentile territory. This was west of Israel to the region of Tyre and in Sidon. And Jesus is is going to get away from the opposition, I I believe, to to get away and, and rest, right? It says here that he did not want anyone to know, right? And so, but Jesus is so magnetic, right? People are so attracted to him, he couldn't keep his his presence hidden for long, and this Gentile woman who 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 has whose daughter has a demon, an unclean demon, comes and, and begs him and pleads with him to heal her daughter, right? And, and so Jesus has this strange response, right? He tells us this this strange parable, he, he where he says here, right, uh let the children be fed first for it's not right to throw uh take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs right so what's up with this right this seems like what, is Jesus being racist like calling this woman a dog calling gentiles dogs is is Jesus being insensitive is he being harsh with her uh and, and i would say no not at all. Uh, the Greek word that he uses for dogs right here is kynarion, which in, especially in that day, dogs were seen as unclean and, and dirty because they, they're scavengers, right, running wild, eating dead things. But this word he uses for kynarion is, is for a house dog. So uh, it's a house dog that eats the bread under the, the table, right, the the beloved family pet. So he's not being offensive right he's not trying to call her something bad but he's 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 sharing a parable right he's trying to help her understand something And, and so what the parable is about is the the fact that Jesus's mission is first for the Jew and then for the Gentile right the the children are are is Israel right and so what he's saying is the the time for the for God's grace to come to the Gentiles. Is not now. That time will come later, but the gospel's first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. Paul, Paul, the missionary to the Gentiles, says the same thing in in uh, F- Philippians one sixteen. Right? He says, uh, "I'm not ashamed of the gospel, because it's the power of God uh, for salvation for everyone who believes. First for the Jew, and then for the Gentile. Right? And so Paul was the the the, the, the apostle to the Gentiles, and and he understood this. And that's what Jesus is trying to communicate to her, right? That, that the time for the Gentiles is, is not yet. And he's not trying to demean her or discriminate against her, but I think he's also testing her faith, testing her faith. And, and this woman does show remarkable faith here, right? First of all, it would have been shocking for this Gentile woman to come to this Jewish relig- holy man, right, this religious man. It would have been shocking. It would have been breaking all the Jewish religious rules, not God's rules, right? Jewish culture and, and their religious rules that they added on top. And it would also have been breaking her own, their own pagan rules. I mean, they wouldn't have, a, a woman, a, a pagan woman would not come to him. And so she's taking a big risk. I think she's at the end of her own resources, right? She knows, here's my only hope. But uh, she has this, she was also, this is pretty incredible, that she's the first person in the book of Mark to understand one of Jesus' parables, right? An unclean Gentile woman whose daughter has an unclean spirit is the first one to understand one of his parables. His disciples don't even understand his parables yet. Jesus has to explain it to, to them, you know, afterwards. And she says this response here in verse 28. She says, even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. Right? And and so this is showing that she understands that this parable that, right, the gospel is first for the Jews and then for the Gentile, but she believes that that God's radical grace is so great that there's so much food on that table that there's enough to fall over on the ground for her, a Gentile. Right? There's so much food piled up. There's this great feast, this great banquet that, that God is bringing, right? And, and, and there's enough for me, she's saying. I know there's enough for me even though it's not, not our time yet. So, so she has the right kind of response. The response she has is a humble view of herself and a high view of God, right? She's got a humble view of herself. Right? Because if she had, did not have a humble view of herself, she would have missed God's grace. Right? Imagine if she was filled with pride. Right? A dog? Jesus, who are you calling me a dog? Who do you think you are? How dare you call me a dog? You think you're better than me just because you're Jewish and, and you're some holy guy? Right? And if she responded that way, her pride would have caused her to miss God's grace. Right? Instead, she has a a, a a a humble view of herself. She's able to admit, well, yeah, I am a dog, I am a sinner, I don't deserve to sit at that table, right? Well, I'm not I'm not good enough. There's nothing I can do to deserve your grace, but I, I I believe your grace is enough to overflow even to me. Right? So that's the the right view. And so you so if if you want if to have true faith you have to be able to admit that you are a sinner in need of God's grace you have to be able to admit that you are a dog under the table to be able to become a child at the table All right you get that you have to be able to admit that you're a dog under the table to be a child to be a child at the table the second part thing that you see is she has a high view of god Right, she has a high view of God and his grace. Now, if she would have had too low a view of God, it would have also cause her to miss God's grace. Right? Right? Because she would have said, You're right. I am a dog. I am a sinner. I don't deserve your grace. And if her view is too low of God, then and there's not enough grace for me. Right? You're not you're not enough for me, God. Your grace isn't able to to save me. If she had that kind of attitude, she would have missed God's radical grace, right? Maybe she would have said, all right, I'll 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 go home, and I'll try to do better. I'll try to clean myself up. Maybe if I'm a little more religious, and, and I'm a little more holy next time, that you'll have enough grace for me, right? And that's also a wrong view, right? That's a, a low view of God, and, and and it's, again, it's almost, it's elevating yourself, thinking that you can, she that she would be able to clean herself up. So we need to have a, humble view of ourself and a high view of God. So uh, I, I got a couple. To, to not believe in the enormity of our sin or in the enormity of his grace is to fail to find Christ as Savior. Right? You hear that? To not believe in the enormity of our sin or in the enormity of his grace is to fail to find Christ as Savior. Right? And so if salvation is by grace it, alone It means that I am unworthy and yet infinitely valued and loved at the same time. All right. So Jesus, because of her response, because of her faith, he he heals her daughter. Right. She goes home and she finds her her daughter well. And so in this this first story, we see that Jesus' grace is, is free. And it's for all, man or woman, Jew or Gentile all races, all cultures, all ethnicities, that God's grace is free and radical and abounding, and God can save anyone. All right. The second story, follow along with me. We're going to pick back up in in verse 31. It says here, Then he returned from the region of Tyre and went through Sidon to the Sea of Galilee in the region of the Decapolis. And they brought to him a man who was deaf and had a speech impediment, And they begged him to lay his hand on him. And taking him aside from the crowd privately, he put his fingers into his ears. And after spitting, touched his tongue and looked up to heaven. He sighed and said to him, Epaphtha, that is, be opened." And his ears were open. His tongue was released. And he spoke plainly. And Jesus charged them to tell no one. But the more he charged them, the more zealously they proclaimed it. And they were astonished beyond measure, saying, He has done all things well. He even makes the, the deaf hear and the mute speak. Right. So Jesus leaves one Gentile region on the west side of Israel, travels 120 miles, and ends up in the Decapolis. The Decapolis is where he, ha- he had been previously, where he had cast the demon out of out of the, the demonized man. And uh, so... As he arrives here, they bring this deaf mute man, and they beg Jesus to heal him. Now, as I read this story, I'm uh, astounded at Jesus's tender love and compassion for this man. Uh, uh, another Gentile, what, one thing you'll see is he doesn't make a, a spectacle of him, right? He takes him away to the si- side and in private, and Jesus uses these physical gestures that he's ne- like he's never done before, right? From the last story, we saw that Jesus is able to cast out a demon, right, without even being in the same place. But in this situation, he uses these, these physical gestures. And so you have to ask, why? Why does Jesus do this? Why is he putting his hands on this guy's ears, right? Why is Jesus spitting on his hand and, and touching this guy's tongue? Why is he looking up to heaven? Why? Why? And I think it's because of, of Jesus's love and grace, right? Jesus wants this this face to face encounter with this man. Now, this man is deaf and mute, right? He can't speak, he can't have a, have a conversation. So Jesus is speaking in the language that this man can understand, right? He's speaking to him in sign language, which shows his his, his compassion, right? His his tenderness, his his just wait able ability to empath, empathize with someone and. Have this face-to-face connection with someone. And so that's what Jesus is doing. He's using the best way to communicate love to this man. And again, we see this man, right? He says, be open. The man is able to speak plainly. He goes off worshiping Jesus, proclaiming Jesus. But I I thought there uh, there was this amazing thing here. Jesus uses this extremely rare word. To describe the man's speech impediment, and, and, and it's a Greek word, and so the way Jesus, the the, the Greek word that he uses is mogalalos, mogalalos, right? This man's speech impediment is mogalalos. Now, the only time this word is used in the Scripture is Isaiah chapter thirty-five, all right? And in Isaiah thirty-five, it's talking about the coming of God's kingdom. It's talking about the hope that we have in God's kingdom and and what it's going to be like. I'll read you a little portion. Isaiah 35, 5 and 6, it says, Then shall the eyes of the blind be opened, and the ears of the deaf be unstopped. Then will the lame leap like a deer, and the mute tongue, right, shout for joy. Right, so Isaiah is talking about this, this future time when, when God's kingdom comes, there's going to be mogalalos. The mute will, it says the mute tongue will shout for joy. And so Mark is intentionally using this word that was found in Isaiah, right, to tell us and to show us that Jesus is bringing the kingdom. Right? Jesus is fulfilling that promise in Isaiah where the, the mute will shout for joy. This man is experiencing Mogalalos, and he's reminding us that Jesus brings the kingdom, right? That the kingdom of God is, is coming to renew the world. We're seeing right here in this story the, the first fruits of the kingdom of God coming to Gentiles. And this is good news for all of us because we're all Gentiles, right? We're all Gentiles, and God brought the gospel to not just the Jew, the Jew but to everyone everywhere. And I think this is an ext- extremely important reminder for us today. And this is where I found the greatest hope especially in the middle of this this situation, this 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 the shooting is in Mogalalos that Jesus is bringing his kingdom and so we have hope for today. Right? Because Jesus's kingdom is an already but not yet kingdom. Right? That's the hope we have. Jesus's kingdom is now. And Jesus came to establish his kingdom, right? And he did. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to Jesus. That's what he claimed before he ascended back into heaven. He's ruling and reigning now, which means he's sovereign over all this world, right? And then, and and so, and, and it's now, but it's not yet, right? So, one day Jesus will return and, and fully consummate His kingdom. Right, Revelations twenty one or twenty two. The heaven will come down, the the kingdom will come down out of heaven. Right, God will be, dwell with man. It will be His people. He'll be our God. So, uh, the hope we have is that this kingdom is not fully consummated. That God's going to bring it. A, a way you can think about this already, but not yet, kingdom is is that uh, is if you win the lotto, you win the lottery. You, you you're you let's say you play the powerball your numbers are all picked you're a millionaire already as soon as you see those numbers read but you have not yet received your your riches and that's how God's kingdom is So if if Jesus is king now we have to remember that he's sovereign that he's in control right that he that he does all things well right even the even in that story we saw them proclaiming that Jesus does all things well. I mean, Jesus is doing all things well right now, and it might not look. Maybe we ask, well, God, it doesn't look. It looks like chaos to me. Jesus is in control, and that's where we have to cling our hope to Him, because ever since the beginning, right, it, this world's been broken and been fallen since Genesis chapter three, and 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 we've seen, and we see in the Scripture that God even uses evil things for his, his good in ways that we can't even understand, right? His his ways are not our ways. He sees it all beginning to end. So we have hope for today, especially as believers, because God promises to work all things for our good, right? So we have to hold on to those promises. We have to renew our mind with those promises. When we're tempted to despair, we're tempted to respond sinfully, we we have to remember that something That nothing can happen to us that is outside of God's plan, right? God's working. He's moving. And and God allows difficult people. God allows difficult circumstances for our good and and for his glory today. And no matter how bad it gets here on earth, it can only last a lifetime, right? We have eternity to look forward to. So we have hope for today, but we also have hope for a future right we have hope that one day god will bring his kingdom right he will bring judgment he will bring uh, he will restore shalom he'll make it the way it was always supposed to be right and his kingdom will will be here on earth so we have to cling to that to that hope right that there will be an end to this death there'll be an end to racism there'll be an end to hate and and we'll all be together in, in God's kingdom for all of eternity. So that, that's what, that's where I put my hope. That's why I was so excited about Mogalilos. So remember that. All right. So now the third story, I'm not going to read it. I want to make a few comments on it. I'm running out of time. But this is the second mass feeding miracle. A couple weeks ago you saw Jesus feed 5,000 people. And the reason I, uh, Jesus does it, the main difference is that the first one, was for, he did it with a Jewish crowd. Now this one, he's doing it with a, a, a Gentile crowd, right? Again, I think God's being intentional to, to show that the kingdom is coming to the Gentiles. and It's coming to all people. And so this story is just a, a small foretaste of God's kingdom, right? It's a small preview of what God's kingdom is going to be like, which Revelation 7-9 says that all, all peoples, every tribe, tongue, and nation will, will stand before the Lord. And I think that's what we're seeing here. It's a, it's a picture of what heaven will be like, right? This multi-ethnic unity and love gathered around Jesus. And the one thing that's an interesting thing here is you'll notice the welcome reception of the Gentiles in contrast to the hostility from the Jews, right? The, these Gentiles, especially Jesus being here in the Decapolis. So last time Jesus was in the Decapolis, was he, he cast out the legion of demons out of, out of this, the demonized man, right? Cast the, the, the demons into the pigs. They go over the cliff. The people are begging Jesus to leave, to get out of here. And the demonized man who is restored asks Jesus to be one of his disciples. He begs Jesus to go with them. And Jesus says, no, right? Go home. He tells him, go home and tell your friends uh, everything that uh, I've done for you, and uh, the mercy, right, the God, Jesus' mercy, and, and, uh, and everything he's done for him. Right? Jesus sends him to do that. And, and I believe, and this is just what I, I believe, you know, this is speculation. I believe that man went, and people were marveling at God's grace, and he was proclaiming, what God had done for him and how he had mercy on him and, and how amazing Jesus was. And I, I think that's the reason this Jesus now has a, a favorable uh, reception here in the Decapolis because of this man's faithfulness. And so now these people are gathering around wanting to see who Jesus is. and And Jesus is here and he has compassion on the crowd. He spends three days with them. Is, is what the Bible tells us here. And, and, and they spend three days with Jesus, and they don't eat. Jesus wants to feed them before he sends them home, part of his compassion, because they haven't eaten. Have you ever been so, like, so uh, caught up with something and maybe so busy or that you forget to eat? Some of us that do that, I don't usually get very long, right? I'm, I might miss one meal, maybe two on an extreme situation but these d- people don't eat for 3 days right imagine how how just uh, i just think they're just drawn near to Jesus and they're amazed at who he is and, and his love and they want to just be with him so so much that they don't eat and so i think God, jesus is just so good and glorious and gracious and and great they they want to they want to be with him and and food is, is a secondary issue to them so and, and so I, I just think that's amazing Jesus compassion again you see his his love his ability to to feed people and and there's in this story we see again seven basketballs are left over but I think one of the the coolest things in all this and I want us to end with this is in verse 37 right the people were overwhelmed with amazement He has done everything well, they said. Uh, I think this translation says he has done all things well. He's done all things well. Uh, That he even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak, right? We have to remember that, right? When When it says that he has done everything well, that means that Jesus is good. God is good. Everything he does, he does it well. He's sovereign. He's in control. Right? And we should we should be able to marvel at, at Jesus, right? We should be astonished beyond measure who Jesus is. Right? Especially as we look in this story, right? His love, his grace for all people. Right? That he would that he would have enough radical grace to overflow this Gentile woman and, and her daughter with an unclean spirit, right? Are you astonished beyond measure at God's grace? Are you astonished beyond measure at, at his tenderness and, and compassion, his his face-to-face encounter that he has with this man to, to love him, right, to heal him? Right? Are you astonished beyond measure that that Jesus is king, that rules and reigns right now, who is good, who's working out all things for our good? Who we can trust, right? We can trust him and, and we can come to him and, and we, we should cling to him, right? Because he's good and he's in control, or he's he's great and he's in control, he's he's glorious, and so we don't have to fear people or circumstances, he's good, and so we don't have to look elsewhere except for in him, and and he's and he's gracious, right? And we can turn to him for, for grace. So I want to just encourage you to find your hope in him and in his kingdom, however you may be feeling about the, this whole situation that's going on, and, and continue to pray, continue to cling to him, and, and find your hope in Jesus. That's where, that's where I'm clinging to. Let me pray. Jesus, we uh, just thank you for these, these stories, these pictures of your, your radical grace. Help us know your grace. Help us not have too high a view of ourself, Lord, and too or too low a view of who you are. Right, help us be humbled before you and and to and to see how great and glorious and good and gracious you are, Lord. I pray that we would be astonished at you and your love. Help us know that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.